2: It's time to play like
0: a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet, what does that mean? Here they come on third and five, Wilson.
1: Boy, well, somehow, a He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass, Wilson stays in bounds, he's still going. And he's in, touchdown, Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick.
0: Now the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown! two is buried! That was Sauce Gardner!
1: Coming in hot! Aaron Wilson! Here he goes! Goodbye! And ho, Enzo! Van Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall, looking for history! Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown! Into the NCAA record books!
2: Listen.
3: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio This is play like a jet My name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1 And it is time for the Jets Packers post game report The Jets go into Lambeau Field And win this one decisively 27-10 They are now 4-2 and for the first time since 2015 The season that had so much promise And ended on a whimper in Buffalo But the Jets did go 10-6 and that season Jets fans would love it if the team could win double-digit games this year I'm not sure that they're necessarily going to match the record from 2015 But they are well on their way to at least a very fun season And so to help recap what went down in Green Bay Somebody that was there in person Mr. Andy Vasquez, our friend who covers the Jets for NJ.com Andy, what's going on, man? How was the vibe at Lambeau Field? You were telling me there were a lot more Jets fans there than you expected Yeah, I
4: mean, I think uh, you could start to see it when you were traveling out here that the fans uh, this is a trip that that people want to be on because it's pretty rare for the Jets to play at Lambeau Field obviously this is the first time they've been here since 2014 eight years ago and um, it was a good showing it's probably the most fans I've seen at any road game since like Detroit in 2018 for Sam Donald's first game and it was a very similar scene at the end where you had hundreds maybe thousands of Jets fans behind the bench there kind of doing the jets chance and, and cheering them on and a lot of stunned Packers fans who I think kind of saw the writing on the wall there in the middle of the third quarter when, you know, Quinn Williams was getting to Aaron Rodgers and the jets finally, after not having a play more of longer than 11 yards, the whole game, you know, hit one for 11, hit one for 41, both the Corey Davis and then a 20 yard Braxton Berrios run to give him a 10, three lead. And, and, and that's a lead that they'd never relinquished at that point. So yeah, it was an interesting atmosphere, a lot of stunned Packers fans, uh, but who also had a lot of time to kind of sit there and, and kind of realize that this is where their team is at right now. And it, it made for an interesting and, and and kind of strange vibe, but uh, definitely a happy one for the Jets, who now have a team that's at four and two. And they're in really good position to be in the playoff conversation. I think it's still way too early to say that they can you know, be a serious playoff contender. But to be in the playoff conversation after the bye, I mean, they're, they're in great shape at this point.
3: Andy, let's start by talking about the defense. And there were some players that played pretty well. Michael Carter II, once again, had a nice game. John Franklin Myers and Sheldon Rankins both got flagged at one point, but still they both played pretty well. Sacks for each of them. We saw a nice game from Quan Alexander, who had a big play at the end of the game. A big pass breakup. He flashed his speed once again. DJ Reed, for the most part, once again a steady presence as the second cornerback. But this game defensively belongs to two players who are emerging superstars. One is more surprising than the other. Quinton Williams is in his fourth season, and he just absolutely dominated this game, Andy. You alluded to it a little bit. But he had six pressures, two sacks, a quarterback hit, a forced fumble, a block field goal, several big run stops, including one for a five-yard loss. He was all over the field. This guy is on the verge of an all-pro season. He is on pace for 65 pressures, 26 quarterback hits, and 14 sacks. Absolutely unreal what he was doing today Against the Green Bay Packers Dan Orlovsky of ESPN tweeted out The two most dominant players in football on this day Were Josh Allen against the Kansas City Chiefs And Quinton Williams against the Green Bay Packers I think that's a fair statement The other guy is Sauce Gardner And you may be thinking Why are you saying it's surprising that he's this dominant? The reason I'm saying it's surprising is that he's this dominant this quickly. He's six games into his career and he's already an elite corner. Richard Sherman was posting clips and just absolutely floored by some of the plays that Sauce Gardner made. Incredible man coverage, good in zone again. They couldn't touch him. I was saying throughout the game that Aaron Rodgers, sore hand or not, had absolutely no answer for Sauce Gardner in his sixth game in the NFL. I don't recall a cornerback ever becoming – This good, this quickly And it is truly a testament to his work ethic But also, of course, to his natural ability So, Andy, overall, the Jets defense did very, very well The Packers had a ton of trouble getting anything going And you have to tip your cap to Jeff Ulbrich and Robert Sala Because they've been coming under fire from Jets fans for a while There were some questions about some of their decisions defensively The scheme in general, but overall This was a fantastic performance for their unit and Sal and Ulbrich really seemed to answer the doubters in a big way today.
4: Yeah, it was a very good day for the defense. And the defense is the reason the Jets won this game. Quinn Williams, I mean, I can't think of a more dominant performance that I've seen in person in any sport. Um, I mean, I don't want to get crazy. I'm just saying it was a very dominant performance. It was super impressive. Um, I mean, he had a hand, it seemed like, in every play that was made. Uh, and and obviously his teammates were feeding off of him, and it it was just a special performance, and and I would say, you know, obviously I I hope that Jets fans aren't still having this, like, you know, the ones who don't get it aren't still sitting here and being like "Well, we shouldn't pay him, I mean it's it's ridiculous, this this kid's a superstar he's still, you know, it's year four, he's getting better and better he already has five sacks in six games, his career high is seven, I mean, he's going to perhaps pass that as soon as next week. Um, I mean, the guy is just playing at a, at a ridiculous level right now. And it's elevating not not only uh, everyone on the defensive line, but I think it's making it easier for, for other guys to make plays too. And, and everything also that you said about sauce is true. Um, It wasn't perfect today. Drew a pass interference penalty. I think that ended up getting declined. Uh, But I mean, he's just so good. It's, when you look at that stuff that Sherman posted and how quickly he gets all over the field uh, and how, you know, agile he is in coverage and how uh, he can stick with, with little guys and, and man up big guys and, and make the right plays in zone and how he sees things before the snap uh, that, you know, you wouldn't expect a rookie to see. It's just been incredible and it's subtle and a lot of it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but it's just, if you watch him play, it's it's there, and like he's he's already like this good. It, it's like you said, it's insane, and it's hard to describe, and it's hard to um, it's almost hard to believe that you know the, the guy can be this not only good at this stage, this very earliest stage in his career, but this unflappable. Um, that's I think a huge kind of asset to what he does. Or, or a huge reason that he is what he is at this stage in his career. I mean, everything's just like if he makes a mistake, he shrugs it off and he's like, "I know who I am. I'm pretty damn good." And we're gonna go out there and fix it. It's not, you're not fretting. It's not some big deal. I mean, it's and it's, it's just impressive to watch from, you know, a kid who's who's 22 years old. So, yeah, the jet, the Jets got a good one there. And I would also say, um, guy who maybe flew a little under the radar today, but I thought was all over the field and had a big game and, and definitely helped the jets in terms of energy was was the return of Quincy Williams I think he had 14 tackles in his first game back and he was flying all over the place so um obviously we know he has some issues with over pursuing and stuff like that but but he's an important kind of spark plug player for this defense and I think also had a, a big uh, impact on on why they were able to be successful so successful today
2: Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
3: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Andy should also note that Sauce had a pick six that got overturned at the very beginning of the game. It was ruled that the ball hit the ground. That would have been a huge momentum swing, 7 nothing Jets. Unfortunately, that touchdown came off the board. Thankfully, though, it didn't end up costing them in the long run as they still won 27-10. Would be remiss if we also didn't mention the Cyclops, Michael Clemens, who almost had a block field goal on the one that Quinn and Williams was able to block and blocked a punt that Will Parks scooped up and took into the end zone for a touchdown. Brant Boyer had a hilarious line when asked why he's using Michael Clemens on special teams, and it was, I wouldn't want to see that guy running at me, would you? (laughs) We saw exactly what the results of that were in this game. He was a real force on special teams, and I'm pretty sure that punter for the Packers needed to change his underwear after he saw Michael Clemens running at him on that block punt. Also, we should talk a little bit about what the Packers did on offense in response to what the Jets were doing on defense. Aaron Rodgers, he was okay. 26 of 41, 246 yards and a touchdown. Nothing special, nothing terrible. I know he had the sore hand, but it was very clear all day that he's still very much getting in sync with those receivers, and it cost them. And now you know why Ryan Schlipp from Packernet Podcast came on this show for Know Your Foe this past week and said that if the Jets wanted to beat the Packers, their best route to victory would be to shut down the running game and force the Packers to throw. And when you hear that with a team that has Aaron Rodgers, you think to yourself – This guy's crazy. What do you mean make Aaron Rodgers throw? But he turned out to be right because the Jets bottled up the running game. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones ran for a combined 19 times, getting 60 yards, so about three yards per carry. They made Aaron Rodgers throw, and the Packers were just a very ordinary passing offense because of the fact that Rodgers just doesn't have that chemistry with those wide receivers yet. And so that turned out to be the best thing the Jets could have done. Ryan was 100% correct. I will say, too, that for as much as we praise Robert Sala and Jeff Oldbrook before Andy, the one real blemish here on Robert Sala's day coaching-wise, I thought, was at the very end of the first half. They had a third and one from the Packers 36. Instead of running the ball for the first down with Brees Hall, who was already cooking, and we'll get back to him in a little bit. They threw the ball and then on fourth and one, instead of going for it and trying to pick up that first down, which they should have done on third and one, they ended up kicking a 53 yard field goal with Greg Zerline. He missed. The Packers got the ball back and were able to drive down the field and get a field goal to tie the game at three at the half. Didn't end up mattering by the time the game was over, but it very well could have been a costly mistake if this game had been closer by the time of the final horn. So, Andy, the Packers' offense, very ordinary today. Michael Clemens making a big play on special teams. And Robert Sala, as we said, he and Jeff Ulbrich did a very good job today. But the one real black mark on his coaching against the Packers was that bizarre series of decisions at the end of the first half.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been pretty easily solved if they just run the ball on third down. Mm -hmm. Because then you run the clock down or make them take a timeout or whatever. But they didn't. They threw the ball incomplete. There's still 42 seconds left on the clock, and then you line up to click a field goal. And I know you feel good about Zerline, who hadn't missed a field goal since week one. But you know, Sal himself has said that the the goal there is to, you know, leave no time on the clock, so you can't, you know, f- try to trade the yardage for uh, the time and 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 ha- expect to have it both ways. Because even if he makes the field goal, you're you're you know putting yourself at risk that you've left too much time to clock. So I didn't understand that. Um, But yeah, I mean, kind of a thing that, that did change the momentum of the game uh, for it, for a time there, because the jets had a chance to go up, you know, double digits there before the end of the half and ended up in a tie game until, you know, late in the third quarter when finally they, they, you know, kind of exploded for that touchdown. And then it went from there Um, and they scored you know, something like 21 points in eight minutes at the end of the third going into the fourth. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it wasn't uh, what we've seen from them so far this season in terms of of managing the clock well, which is something they've done really well. Uh, That that wasn't, you know, the most impressive thing at the end of the half. But, you know, overall, I think they had a good day and, and you look at, you know, a team that played hard the entire time and obviously seems to have belief in itself as the game goes longer and gets tighter. Um, you know, this was still a close, close game at the end of the third quarter. Um And then the first play of the fourth quarter, the Jets score a touchdown. And, and, you know, I thought it was huge. If you look at last week, how much they struggled with Miami and, and stopping the run that they were able to, from the get go today, uh, just really kind of make a statement and say they, that, you know, challenge them to run the ball on them and and they weren't able to do it. And that's a, a huge reason why they won this game. I think probably the biggest reason why they won this game because they knew that they were going to have to drop back and pass uh, if they wanted to, you know, move the ball because they weren't able to move it on the run. And uh, that's why Aaron Rodgers was under so much pressure all day and why it was, I, I would say, a really difficult day for him.
3: Offensively, once again, second week in a row It was the Brees Hall show 20 carries, 116 yards And a touchdown He didn't do a lot in the passing game But with numbers like those running the ball It doesn't really matter Two catches for five yards Michael Carter had some nice runs at the end of the game too Six carries, 41 yards overall Braxton Barrios had a running play That resulted in a 20-yard gain and a touchdown Really good blocking from C.J. Ozama there C.J. Ozama had his best game as a Jet so far Had a first down on a tight end screen. Had that block for Braxton Berrios that helped spring him for a touchdown. Had a huge block on a big throw by Zach Wilson, 41 yards down the field to Corey Davis. And really, that was the only big throw that Zach Wilson had all day. It was not a statistically significant day for Zach Wilson. 10 of 18, 110 yards. He had one really nice play, the one to Corey Davis. That was the one that was the momentum swing in the third quarter that really began to open up the floodgates. The other play that was negative was toward the end of the first half, right before the field goal that put them up 3-0. Wilson was running out of bounds and chucked the ball up into the end zone. It almost got intercepted. Very well could have cost them three points. So that was his big mistake for the day. He was able to weather that storm. He had the one big play. Again, Wilson wasn't exactly great on this day, but he didn't have to be because of how good Brees Hall was. And as we said last week on the show, Andy, the vision here is for Brees Hall to be the player that the offense runs through. That way, Zach Wilson can manage the game and be developed slowly. And it's the same way that the Seahawks did it with Russell Wilson when they had Marshawn Lynch. The offensive line for the most part, did its job. It had some rough moments in pass protection in the first half, buckled down in the second half, and really did a good job opening up holes for Brees Hall. So some encouraging signs there for the Jets, even if the offense wasn't exactly the 1980s San Francisco 49ers.
4: Yeah, I mean, the offense did what it had to do. I mean, I think it's really encouraging that they were able to kind of put the game on on Brees Hall and he was able to deliver. And again, it's not like it's a secret. Uh, the Packers saw the game tape from last week they knew that their number one objective was going to be to stop Brees Hall just like the Jets made it their top objective to slow down the, the Packers running game and, and they just weren't able to do it which kind of speaks to the high level that he's playing at right now um, so to have a guy who, who can go out and get 100 yards when you need him to get 100 yards and, and kind of rely on that in the offense that's that's a huge deal and it seems the Jets kind of have that guy right now. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to watch going forward in terms of Zach Wilson. I I think, yeah, for the most part, he did a really good job, uh, in terms of just not forcing the issue and, and taking what is there ahead of him. I mean, the Packers have a, have a good defensive front and, and, you know, put pressure on them and, and they do a lot of things that are difficult for him in terms with the blitzes and stuff and the pre-staff and the pre-snap stuff. Um, I will have to say, I do have to say that one decision before the end of the first half was insanity, and he's—it's a miracle it didn't get kicked off or picked off. And um, it's—that's exactly the kind of thing you don't want to see from him because uh, it's just there's no, there's no real explanation or, you know, defending that. uh, You know, was unnecessary, and he shouldn't have been scrambling around that long, and then. to to get himself into a situation where he's tight roping, you know, down the sideline and, and then to throw that ball up. It was just wild when, you know, you're in field goal range and, and there's not a reason to do that. And I know maybe he saw something there with Corey Davis, but it wasn't close and it was lucky. It wasn't an interception. And that's not what you want to see from your quarterback. So um, still some stuff to clean up for him. And, and, you know, for most of the day, it was kind of a. It seemed like a struggle for the offense, but I also think like some of that is, there, you know, with the play calling, they're maybe saving some stuff until later in the game when they want to use it after setting it up. And if the offense looks worse than than most people would like it to look for part of the game to set up that stuff later in the game, I think from what we've seen the last couple of weeks, it's, it's probably worth it. So. Uh, it's just interesting. I I think there is some of that going on, Um, but they still need to be better earlier in the game. I mean, when you're, when you're talking, um, you know, you have three first downs and, and six punts through your first eight drives, which is where the jets were before Um, all of a sudden, you know, scoring on on three out of those last four drives, it's gotta be a little bit better than that. Uh, But again, there was a plan today and, and the plan was to, let them kind of ride Brees Hall to this to this victory, and and, and it worked. So you, you got to be excited about that, and um, even if it didn't look pretty, uh, it worked, and that's what matters. The Jets are four and two.
3: Andy, I think what it comes down to is the Jets closed strong for the fourth time in the last five weeks, but. They've got to get started quicker because they're not going to be able to rely on these late game heroics all the time. They were lucky that the Packers weren't able to do much on offense, and so they were still able to take the game and rest control away late in the third and into the fourth quarter in this game today at Lambeau, but they're not going to be able to do that every week. So they've got to be more consistent and be able to score points throughout the game Otherwise, they could run into trouble down the line. Let's talk about two things that happened after the game before we take you inside the locker room and talk about any potential injury issues. The first is Sauce Gardner putting on a cheese head and running around Lambeau Field. At one point, Alan Lazard knocked that cheese head off of him and at first, you looked at it and you said, oh no, this is kind of like when T.O. ran out to the star and George Teague followed him and leveled him. It turns out that Lazard actually thought it was funny and he likes sauce. It wasn't anything that he was angry about. He just thought it was funny to knock the hat off of his head. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, Andy is Elijah Moore. Now, we've discussed how going into this year, there were very high hopes for Elijah Moore. A lot of people, including myself, thought he had number one wide receiver potential. He hasn't been targeted a ton, not with Joe Flacco and certainly not with Zach Wilson. He had zero targets today against the Green Bay Packers. And so after the game, responding to a tweet from Rich Simini of ESPN, alluding to the fact that Elijah Moore had no targets today, he tweeted out, if I say what I really want to say, I'll be the selfish guy. We're winning. I'm grateful. Huge blessing. All I ever wanted. Bittersweet for me. So I'll just stay quiet. Just know I don't understand what's going on either. Now, the problem with this, of course, is that Elijah Moore said he's not saying anything. But in not saying anything, he was actually saying a lot. So this is why I wish players would stop complaining about team issues on social media and and of course, not that he did this in this instance, fighting with fans on social media. Because I think those two things are never going to go well for the player. They're very counterproductive. If you have a problem with the coaches, the other players, and so on and so forth, it's best to handle that internally rather than going on Twitter. Obviously, don't waste your time fighting with fans. There's never anything that you're going to be able to gain from that. So Elijah Moore, who's generally a quiet guy, spoke up a little bit on social media, and Sauce Gardner, who we already know. Has a pretty playful and outgoing personality. Giving Jets fans who were in the building at Lambeau Field and the people on social media who got to see this later, this video clip, a little bit of a chuckle on a day where Jets fans got a very fun experience. More fun, perhaps, than they would have been expecting a couple of weeks ago.
4: Yeah, it was certainly um, a little bit of a different vibe than after the Bengals game at MetLife where you know, it was ugly in the fourth quarter. For, for the jets and the fans who, who left early. Um, but yeah, I mean with the with the sauce thing, um, it was an interesting situation because he actually left the game in the fourth quarter and was taken back to the uh, the locker room to be evaluated for a head injury, but he made it back into the game. so obviously it was cleared. and then he was out there celebrating with the fans as you know the clock ran out and and after and at some point in that whole fracas, he ended up with a cheese head. He said a fan put it on his head. Uh, so at that point, he you know he was enjoying himself, and you can see um, as he's signing autographs, he's, he's trying to head back into the Jets locker room. He's signing autographs. He got a little turned around, I think, um, and and head, headed towards the wrong tunnel, and it, so it happened to be the Packers tunnel. And that's where he started to run into with the with the cheese head on. If you look, there's like a Packers security guy that tries to stop him, but like a bunch of people are screaming, so Sauce couldn't hear him. And then that's when Lazard hits the um, the cheese <laughs> the cheese head off of his head. <laughs> and then Sauce like clearly wanted the cheese to keep the cheese head, so he grabs it hastily. And then and then a police officer at that moment told him, you know, where he was going, and he was like, oh. And, and he turned right back around, so afterward he said, you know, that he didn't realize where, that he thought he was just going back to his own locker room, he didn't realize that he got gotten a little bit turned around, and you know, the excitement was heading towards the Packers locker room, and, and yeah, Lazard said, you know, he likes Sauce, he thinks it's a cool nickname, I th- thought he had a good game, uh, nothing against him, he just, you know, wasn't going to let him, like, run into their locker room, <laughs> or down their <laughs> tunnel wearing a um, a cheese head, and I thought it was funny. DJ DJ Reed was asked about it. He was like, "No, I didn't see the video, but I saw Sauce coming here." And he was like, "He almost went into the, lo- the wrong locker room. That would have been bad. That would have been bad." And he was laughing. Laugh- he was laughing his ass off. So, I mean, the Jets got a kick out of the whole thing, and Sauce, you know, walked out of the locker room <laughs> with the cheese head in hand. So, uh, he's pretty excited about his new souvenir, and he said something he'll remember for the rest of his life. And uh, he is a 22-year-old kid, and it, there was nothing malicious about this. He's a sweet kid, uh, a very competent kid who who takes his craft very seriously, but I think he's a sweet kid. and um, you know, He was just having fun with it. It, it. I mean, obviously, there's a little bit of competitiveness to it and talking a little bit of trash, but I don't think he was trying to like run into the Packers locker room with the cheese head on. It just kind of is the way it happens. So that was interesting and yeah with the with the elijah moore thing it's just i don't understand why i mean i understand why these guys do this because they they are mad like he is mad he's a competitive guy and he wants the ball um and it's right there in his fingers you know you can say something that you know is going to you know have some sort of result because we're going to talk about it. Everybody's going to talk about it. LaFleur is going to get asked about it. Sal is going to get asked about it on Monday. And that that's how easy it is to do. And if you're frustrated and don't want to be, you know, want a release and that's, it's as easy as doing that. So that's why it happens. Um, is it the most prudent way to do things? Because now it becomes a, a, a potential distraction for the team and, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. That, that's where, where it becomes an issue and where if you just go to your coordinator, if you're having a problem or whoever you're having a problem with, and have the conversation with them and deal with it. Um, you know, you either, you're probably more likely to get the outcome that you would want. So, um, and, and, and without taking some sort of hit to your image, because people remember this stuff and, you know, you can tell me you don't feel that way or whatever, but somebody's going to hold this against them and bring it up against them the next, Time things aren't going the way um, that that they want them to go, or, or that he wants them to go. So it, it's just not a great look. Um, I don't think it's ultimately going to be that big of a deal, but um, it is puzzling why he hasn't been able to get involved yet, and I and I'm not really sure what the reason is. Um, but I do know that you know the last couple games, really since the Pittsburgh game, nobody's really. Had a standout game as a wide receiver, so um, I just, you know, again, I understand being frustrated about not getting any targets, but it's a little bit puzzling. The timing after you know this team is two games over five hundred for the first time in in seven years, it's just kind of strange to be doing the, you know, I, I don't want to say anything and then saying you're unha- you're clearly unhappy. So that's just my take, but yeah, I, I don't get it either.
3: Needless to say, Andy, with zero targets in the game against the Packers, Elijah Moore came up well shy of his player projection over in the Daily Fantasy matchup at prizepicks.com. If he was one of the players that you picked in your 2-5 to players, you unfortunately would have lost. But if you picked other players that went above their projections, like, say, Brees Hall, who went well above his player projection of 60 yards rushing with 118 you could have won up to 10 times the amount of money you put in because you pick two to five players, and if they do better or worse than their player projection, that's what could happen for you. You could do NFL, college football, basketball, the NBA, MLB, whatever it is you want, they've got it at prizepicks.com. It's very simple. You go over to prizepicks.com, use the promo code PLAJ, and they will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So if you put in hundred bucks they'll match 100 bucks If you put in $50, bucks. they will match 50 bucks. Go to prizepicks.com and use the promo code PLAJ, and they will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Andy, injury-wise, we know that Sauce Gardner came out of the game at one point, but he came back in, and as we know, clearly he was healthy enough to run around with the cheese head on, so I'm assuming that means that there's no kind of major injury there. Anything else we need to know about?
4: Yeah, they wouldn't have let him anywhere near the field, obviously, if, <laughs> if he had not cleared the concussion protocol, So, especially this day and age. So, um, no, he, they made it through pretty much unscathed today. I know Jonathan Franklin Myers left briefly. I know he's been dealing with the foot-slash-toe thing, um, but he ended up coming back in the game and obviously playing quite well. quinn Williams had a little bit of a scare there where I think he got poked in the eye, uh, but at the end of the first half, might have missed a few snaps the end of the first half there, but uh, obviously came back and finished strong. Um, so yeah, the jets are getting through um, that. They made it through another game without any, you know, apparent injuries on the offensive line. I think, you know, everybody should be kind of holding their breath with, with Dwayne Brown because the shoulder thing is going to be a thing all year. So you never know when it's going to crop up to the point where it might be an issue where he can't you know fight through it for a week or two. Um, But now you're getting to the point where George Fan, I think, will be eligible after next week to come back off of IR um, if he's ready. So like things are kind of looking up on the injury front for the Jets right now. The only major guy they didn't have today other than Max Mitchell was the other rookie, Jermaine Johnson, who missed the game with an ankle injury. So, yeah, they're doing pretty well on the injury front. Um, And nothing major that I saw that cropped up today.
3: Andy, let's go inside the locker room. We heard from Zach Wilson and Robert Sala, as always, but a bunch of other players, including Brees Hall, who had a very interesting story to tell about his touchdown run. Take us inside the locker room and let us know what everybody said.
4: Yeah, with Brees, um, Brees was you know, pretty excited about the way everything worked out the yeah he said basically the design on the play where he ran for a touchdown was not for him to do that he was supposed to pitch it back to garrett wilson who was then supposed to throw it to braxton barrios who as it turned out it was a pretty well designed play it was wide open uh the problem was one of the defensive ends uh you know hall felt him kind of shade out toward toward wilson as he was running to his left so instead of tossing the ball and and risking the guy potentially breaking it up, which would have been obviously a fumble and and a disaster. He held onto it and, and ran and then turned it into a touchdown. So well, they looked like a pretty brilliant play called by Michael LaFleur, a a really like advanced misdirection. It was a misdirection, but it wasn't supposed to be like that. It was supposed to misdirect again and get in the hands of care. Wilson kind of like the, uh, Braxton Berrios to Zach Wilson, Philly special type deal we saw last week or two weeks ago, but but you know a, a bigger version of it that would have been you know, almost a short touchdown pass if it had, if it had come together, but still ended up as a touchdown for the Jets. And uh, you know they're they're in a good spot. Another thing that Brees Hall said that I thought was very interesting was that you know uh, a lot of people didn't expect them to win this game, but they expected to win this game. They came in here and that was what they came to do it wasn't to have a nice showing of this because they believe they could win this game and and you know when these guys say this these things sometimes it sounds like cliches or whatever but this is like you know it sounds real and it sounds like how they felt coming into this game uh, that they really believed that the matchup was good for them and they had a, a good chance to win it and obviously that that went a long way so um that, that was interesting to hear from from Brees hall um other stuff that, that was said that, that was interesting. you know Zach Wilson spoke after the game, admitted it was an ugly game. Um, but he basically said um, you know that they have to figure out how to continue to feel the same way that you know, approach games the same way that they're approaching them now even though they're winning. He basically said he, we can't feel like we've arrived just because we've won a game like this. Um, and, and I think it's really good that that someone like Zach Wilson is talking about this because it means, you know, th- there's definitely a confidence here and a cockiness that uh, we haven't seen or that I haven't seen since I started covering this team. But also, like, I think they understand that, like, as soon as they stop working and, and think it's, it's just they've arrived or made it or, or it's a given that that, you know, the success is going to go away. So, I just think they have a really kind of healthy outlook whereas, um, you know, it's been hard for the Jets team to get to two games above 500 because every time they'd be playing any sort of meaningful game, they it, it, would, it would blow up in their face because they just didn't seem to handle the prosperity well. They're handling that better now. Um, and it's not just, like, the things that they're saying to us. You can just tell, like, they're not they're not complacent like this team is not going to be happy with winning four games like it doesn't mean anything because if they lose the rest of the games four four wins means nothing and and they they seem to kind of realize that 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 it can slip away quickly so i think that's um you know important and and good Uh, other guys who said interesting things sheldon rankins who who obviously says a lot of interesting stuff Mm -hmm. um he talked about Quinn and Williams and, and how he reminded him of Cam Jordan um, when they played together in new Orleans. And he's, you know, a, a guy who was an all decade guy um, for that team and, and how Quinn is playing at that level. And uh, you know, it's only through five games or whatever, but he needs to keep it going, but it, it's super impressive and, and that he's not surprised. He kind of always expected this from Quinn, but it's cool to see. And, and, cool to be playing with a guy uh, who's playing on that level and kind of have been a part of helping develop him over the last year or two. And, and he said that he's also learning a ton from Quinn and that that is helping him. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and he, and he also talked about how, you know, they, they believe that they frustrated Aaron Rodgers and, and how as a defense, they want to get in a quarterback's face and, and disrupt him in a violent, but, you know, intelligent way. And he said it very, um, it it was funny the way he said it. It was very like polite, almost (laughs) Uh, like how they're basically trying to ruin the quarterback's day. So, uh, you you know, this defensive line has been so disruptive when it's on that, that it's, it's just like a game changer for the jets. And if they can keep it up, um, I I think they believe they have more to give and, and, and it can be something that really that they rely on, I think to, to keep them in games this year. And, and, and Rogers even noted after the game, it was like the jets only blitzed like one or two times today. Like they were able to, to sack him four times. I think put nine quarterback hits on him mostly with a four man rush. And, and that's exactly kind of what this team has been looking to do. And, and that's why, um, they're, they're so excited about kind of these nasty guys up front. And speaking of nasty guys up front, Michael Clemens had the black punt, um, you know, he was really excited about that It said, you know, it showed on the field and, and he was happy to contribute and, um, you know, the things are only looking up for the jets and that, if, you know, what this win said about them is that the jets are, are coming to play, which, you know, it, I, I think, um, you know, everybody in the room is excited about the defensive line and, and, and Clemens obviously is also a contributor on special teams, but one more guy who said something about the defensive line that I thought was interesting was Will Parks, and he talked about how, uh you know, this is how they're expected to play, and then he said, I guarantee you they're going to play this way again next week. So you're starting to see a little swagger in the locker room, Um and it's the cool kind of swagger where, like I said, I think there's, they know that they have to back it up for it to keep happening. They know that they have to, like, put in the work during the week. They know that they have to, like, Quinn and Williams said this too. Like they have to, to stay really um, focused on their communication and this kind of this stuff where they have weaknesses, right? The stuff that comes back to bite them. And if they stay focused on that, um, they feel like you know this th- their talent kind of takes over. So as long as they're communicating and and taking care of the you know the little issues that have cropped up for them when they've had the bad games on defense this season. Um, They know that if they do that work during the week, their natural skill will take over on Sunday. And I think that's a huge thing for this defense and something that should be exciting for Jets fans moving forward.
3: Andy, one last note before we run. We should go back to Elijah Moore and say that for as much as we think it was a mistake for him to speak on social media the way that he did, at least he didn't shout in Miles Austin's face And wind up getting sent to the locker room by his own coaches. So that's a positive because we did see that with Robbie Anderson in Carolina. Panthers fans, I just have this to say. He's your problem now, so enjoy that. Andy Vasquez covering the Jets for NJ.com. Thanks so much for coming on and recapping the Jets' victory over the Packers. 27-10 at Lambeau Field with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to follow you on social media, check out your work over at NJ.com. Where are they going to find when they go and read your work, and how can they find you on social media?
4: Well, you can find me on social media, Andy underscore Vasquez. uh, That's on Twitter, by Andy Vasquez on Instagram. Um, I'm really tired. So let me remember what exactly I have <laughs> running <laughs> on the website on Monday because I already wrote a bunch of it and it's, it's been a long day because we, we stayed in Milwaukee. So driving back and forth, um, yeah, obviously a recap of what Quinn Williams was able to do was a pretty special day for him. Uh, a recap of the whole cheese head incidents and everything that went into that, a uh, very detailed recap of that, that I think you guys will enjoy um, kind of going over why I think it's time to believe in the jets. And, you know, the short version is, I don't think they've figured it out fully yet. And they're still winning these games that that are, are tough to win. And, and today they won convincingly as, as you said, I think they have a lot of stuff they need to clean up and, they're going to get exploited by some teams if they can't do a little bit more early in the games, but you know, I don't think a team, uh, you know, wins a game like today against a good team in it in or, or a decent team and a team that has been good and a team with a winning record when, when the game kicked off in, in a very tough place to play. I don't think you win by 17 points unless, um, you got something, especially when you have, when you don't play your best game. So, um, yeah I I think there's I think it might be time to start actually believing in this team and and you know starting to think of what happens if they do unlock that next level and they do it in the next few weeks what this could this could start to look a lot different than even it does now and and that's kind of a cool thing so we'll get into that a little bit and obviously we'll get into the Elijah Moore thing and then everything going into a huge game in Denver next week another tough place to play can the Jets go 4-0 on the road Um it's cool. It's cool to be talking about meeting football in October. It's it, or meaningful football in October. It's cool to be talking about a team that's uh, two games over 500 for the first time in seven years. And yeah, definitely come to nj.com, check out all the coverage, and follow me on social media. We'll keep it coming.
3: Make sure you read Andy's work over at nj.com, follow him on social media, and check out everything we're doing. Over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, The Thunder from Down Under, Mr. Luke Grant has got some fantastic all-22 breakdowns. And right now, he's got a five things we learned from the Jets' victory over the Packers video up you can go and see that video and so much more youtube.com slash play like a jet watch the video subscribe if you haven't already visit our store teepublic.com that's teepublic.com we've got the john franklin myers Quentin williams bless you thank you shirt the zach says go long shirt the zach the ripper shirt the play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there teepublic.com that's teepublic.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com
2: anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect
1: define an opportunity
2: imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now
0: identify a problem